I want you to give your best plea to Andy Farrell <laughs> as to who you want to see against Italy. Andy. <laughs> Faz, I know you're listening, fella. You're probably watching on YouTube as well. <laughs> so Italy are coming up this weekend. And to be honest, man, I know you found your, probably your starting 15, but you need to mix it up a bit. What if they all, all aren't there in France in the World Cup and you need someone to step up and you haven't given them minutes? And I'm going to go home to Munster and I'm going to go over to Skipperine to Gavin Coombs. I think you really need to get him in there. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome along to House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland. I'm Greg O'Shea and Lindsay and Jason are in the room. How are you getting on, guys? Good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you too, Jason. How are you getting on, brother? Good. All good. My favourite day of the week. Every day of the week, I yeah. love that positivity. <laughs> it's well, a lovely glow off him, isn't it? He is, yeah. He must have had a nice weekend. Ah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Munster's win, Munster's win. It's a great win, yeah. And Art School Old Boys. Yeah, Art School Old Boys, a great win. You're welcome. All that is irrelevant, You posted the misses for the first time on Instagram. Well, I'm glad you put that. Now let's talk about that, Jason. Onto the rugby now, please. Congratulations on the launch. Well done. Thanks, Um to talk about rugby, so we had URC back on the weekend, and it was good, good to see Munster and the provinces back playing, especially Munster though, isn't that right Jason? Yeah, 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 good, good, um, I suppose m- there's a bit of an issue going on with Wales at the moment, like, but like, not taking a glass off Munster, they played really well, like, and it's a massive win, and like, we're up to fifth now, which is absolutely ridiculous. I know, it's incredible, <laughs> Munster won 58-3 at home in Tolman Park against Ospreys, but there could be a question mark over Ospreys' mindset coming in, because as you yeah. mentioned there... Welsh rugby is all over the place. Do you want to kind of fill in? Yeah. What, what, what's so going it's on? like, obviously, there's talks of the Welsh players going on strike ahead mm-hmm. of the England game, which is crazy. But when you look at it, like, and there's some people going that maybe they've been on strike for the first two games based on our performances. <laughs> but all jokes aside, what's going on there at the moment? So, so the WRU, the Welsh Rugby Union, haven't come to an agreement yet with the four clubs, the four regions, sorry. So your Scarlets, Ospreys, uh, Dragons, and Cardiff. Cardiff. Um, so there's no budget in place, right? So they're trying to work on this six-year deal at the moment worth 300 and something million. But there's no budget in place, which mm-hmm. means there's guys with five, six months left in their contract and don't know if they've got a club or not next year, which is absolutely insane. So you can understand why these guys, and we all know, like, over the last few years, we laugh and we joke about it, but, like, Welsh rugby is, has been falling apart at the same for quite a while. So it's unfortunate and it's understandable, like, why these players are annoyed because they don't know where they're going to be playing next mm-hmm. year, if they're going to be playing next year. So how are they expected to go out like, and put their bodies on the line like when they don't even know if they have a job at the, end of the, at the end of all this? So I don't think a strike will happen. But like Alan and Jones said it last week, like it's a very it's a very much a possibility. He actually threw the Netflix documentary cameras out from their press conference, even though there was five or six other broadcasters in the room. So don't know what that's about. Like, But the whole thing is a fiasco. And you and were mentioning there, isn't Gatland isn't quite really backing him. He's kind of in the middle somewhere. Or he should be backing his players. Yeah, I think it was a big thing during the week where he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't agree with his players striking, basically. Now, I think that's when your coach isn't sticking, whether it's a great, you know, when team sports, if you don't agree with something, it's, it's all or nothing. Um, we were there, unfortunately, with the women's side of things that you will get to a point where you have to make a stand. And like the thing about it is it's we do slag the the we don't slag them it's it's every week it's kind of this running theme over the last two seasons mm. that the Welsh regions have been really poor they're not competitive mm. which also has had a knock on effect on the international stage and their under 20s who are also zero from two in their first rounds of the Six Nations so I just can't understand the Welsh Rugby Union's um, thinking on this because if we look at Munster if we look at Leinster 
our provinces provide our international team and yeah. we're we're like Jesus dads are up to one but mm. that's been years of investment since the game went professional in 1996 like even if Wales sort this out the Welsh Rugby Union sort this out they're, they're, they're years behind of getting anywhere they need to be mm. do you know so I don't want to see a strike no one wants to see it but at the end of the day I think Welsh rugby are in the media over the last number of years, whether it's the provinces or the union themselves for all the wrong reasons. And I think they just need to get the checkbooks out and put yeah. some investment into there because it's, it's embarrassing for them now at this stage, yeah. considering a country who is, is richly, like their DNA is rugby. You yeah. know, that's their... It's the number one sport in Wales. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, I mean... It's very sad to see, all right, there's, and there's even more issues than just this uh, player contracts. There's governmental issues in the Wales Rugby Union with like misogyny claims and and, yeah. and this, uh, sexual harassment claims and things like that. So it's just all falling apart there. And I listened to interviews with Wayne Pivak. Obviously, he was the coach mm-hmm. and he's been in the, around the Wales Rugby for nine years. And then Bernard Jackman was over there with the Dragons for a while. And they're just saying that this has always been an issue. The yeah. clubs and the regions have always been all over the place, but it's just because the international team was so good. The likes of Alwyn Jones, as you mentioned, and Liam Williams and George North and all these guys were just playing so well at top international level and holding it together that everyone presumed the regions were okay. Yeah. Mm. But they were never okay, supposedly. No. No. And it's all have to come to the forefront now because those guys I just mentioned, they're all getting a bit older. Maybe the international team isn't playing as well anymore. No. And there's no young fellas coming up from the regions because it's such a mess. But I think... As you're saying there, Jason, that they're threatening to go on strike for the Six Nations game this weekend against mm. England, yeah. which is going to have such a ripple effect across the whole union, like because that's going to take millions away from mm. the Welsh Rugby Union, bringing in money, even like restaurants and stadiums and drinks and food, everything. It's going to completely mess it all up. And like if they do strike, that it's means crazy to it's think like, that if that happens. Like I mean, yeah. Well, where does that leave us? Like if they do go on strike, like has this ever happened? That this is unprecedented, where a game hasn't gone ahead in the Six Nations mm. for that kind of what happens there? Do England get the results because yeah. Welsh players didn't show up? They'd have to do that, yeah. yeah. yeah so but what? What's, it's kind of <laughs> Lindsay. You said it there. The, Irish women had to step up and bring it to governmental level a couple of years ago to get something done. And us sevens lads and the men's team, we talked about it for years as well. We actually just piggybacked on what you did and we ended up getting more because of it. But sometimes you do have to empathize for the players Mm -hmm. like these guys. If you take rugby just as it's their career, like we all have careers, they don't know if they're going to be working in a couple of months, as you said, Jason. And if say if someone goes out and plays in the weekend for Dragons or Ospreys, Mm -hmm. Cardiff or the other team and say they break a leg but their contract's up in four months. They're not guaranteed a contract next year. They're not guaranteed a career. They have families. They have mortgages. Like, it's a proper issue. Like, But you said it there. So the union will lose millions because they're marketed. Like, so they're a marketing. They are a product, is is the Welsh Rugby Union team. Like, they're a product bringing in their union millions. So they're piggy, piggybacking on the backs of these amazing players and athletes as they would have done as it has gone through all sports but it's not the players who actually reap the rewards of that and this is where you've hit the nail on the head and it was one of the lads tweeted during the week it might have been Adam and Jones um, but it was definitely one of the senior players to say like there is millions hundreds of millions you know being brought in by the, you know Welsh rugby in the union and all the, these big games played, played in the principality and everything the jerseys everything you forget what revenue comes in sponsors and the lads don't see it so I just don't understand. It would have been an issue for the Welsh women as well with their regions. So it's very sad to see that you're making all these hundreds of millions off these players and you won't invest back to them. So it really, you know, we talk about player care and duty of care, but do you actually see the athlete behind mm. all the dollar bills that you're making? I think a good point so. to make there as well is that a lot of people don't realise the likes of your Alan Jones and your George North and your Liam Williams. Of course, they're on big bucks, 
But your X and Y who's playing like centre for Scarlet, it's like mm. he's probably getting paid less than a bloody Lewis driver, you know, and that's the kind of money that they're on. It's yeah. not. Oh, it's scand- not. Yeah. You just assume automatically because you're a professional athlete mm-hmm. that you're on scandalous money. No, but you're me and Lindsay dealt with that for years. Yeah. Like people be looking at us be like, oh, you must be making so much just money. Just assume. We're on pittance. Like, <laughs> yeah. Pittance and you're paying, you're paying for your supplements or yeah. your, like it, it's, you have to eat so healthy. Like yeah. you're eating twice as much as yeah. everyone else. And it's not, it's not actually, <laughs> you lose money when you're trying to eat healthy in Ireland. Yeah. It's one of the big things I'd say for the government with our health service, because that's my full-time <laughs> job. We won't even get into that. But look, um, we w- hope it won't go to strike. It's not something obviously yeah. we want to see. You know, the Six Nations has brought up some great moments, but I think we need to stand with the players on this because we've all been in that yeah, situation exactly. yeah. I think the three main things they're looking for is to change the 60 day rule which is the you have 60 cap rule yeah, yeah. sorry so you have to have 60 caps in order to play abroad yeah um, and if you still want to play for the Welsh rugby team and but play like a rugby abroad you have to have over 60 caps for Wales to do that so now they're thinking about dropping it to 30 to allow more lads go away and get contracts elsewhere but mm-hmm. still play for Wales I think the other one is they want to play a representative on the board of okay. the Welsh Rugby Union and there's one other kind of variable thing that so there's like a couple of things that they have said and they also want contracts sorted um, for regional players more yeah. so than the international players Yep. because this fella's running out of contract like so it's completely fair enough but I really hope Welsh Rugby Union just step up and don't let it get to the point where they don't show up for the Six Nations game yeah. against England yeah that would be so embarrassing like it would be the worst of all that we've just spoken about it would be the worst case oh, scenario yeah. now at this stage for yeah. Welsh Rugby mm. it's really sad it's yeah. really sad but then so we can kind of understand then why Munster got a massive win 58-3 against Ospreys mm. how can you go out and have a strong mindset when you're all that's going on with with your union but we won't take it away from Munster either they performed really really well the lads were class like there was just tries across the board Gavin Coombs had three tries again yeah. I don't know what else this guy has to do to get into an Irish team <laughs> I know he's in the squad but get into a starting team yeah. hopefully we'll see him this weekend player, against Italy. player of the match again player of the match yeah. again He's sharing it with Tyg Burns, either him or... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a pendulum, isn't it? Swinging one yeah. to the other. And I was actually buzzing for Joey Carberry. He had a great game after yeah. not getting into the Nation squad. What yeah, think, he scored a cracker of a try. Like, I mean, look, I mean, we can, as you said, let's not talk, take away from Munster. If we were to look at two big things that we complained about Munster last year when Johan Van Graan was in charge, it was the, the style of rugby they played and the fact that why isn't he giving these younger guys a chance? And if you look at how Munster have, have gone this season, mm-hmm. those two boxes have been ticked. And it's great to see because he's given these guys a chance and the rugby they're playing. They're not afraid to offload. They're no. not afraid to spread the ball. No more of these one-out runners. No more of these uh, box hicks into the air, into absolute nothing. Like they're playing. It's enjoyable rugby to watch. Like yeah. really, really like the quality of some of those tries, like the Fekatoa try, the Carberry try, the uh, Frisch try. Mm-hmm. It's champagne rugby mm-hmm. at times, which is, we're not used to seeing that from Munster. No. But it's good to see that he's actually given them the license to play like that. Like yeah. we like Farrell has done with Ireland. And I said, there's so many of these young guys but all the internationals gone all season these young guys are playing and it's like we actually have a, a second squad behind the first mm-hmm. one which we've never had before which is great to see it's unbelievable to see and I think Roundtree has allowed his backroom staff to kind of get his ha- their hands stuck in with the lads as in you saw the set piece play for Shane Daly's try yeah yep, Dermot Barron that. that was nice beautiful yeah, like, really Joe, and that's clearly like a, they're sitting in and and the pitch and like I'm glad you picked that one. I liked yeah, that I really one. Yeah, like fair play to The variation tries was excellent, but that was a good one. Really it's a nice. really intelligent one. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're clearly doing their their work in the on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like getting 
picking out the spots where they can get tries and they seem to be linking very well between the forwards and the backs and there seems to be a lot of cohesion mm-hmm. it's very tough to get that and that comes from the coaching staff dealing with their players very well which seems to be an issue for the last couple of years Jason is it the coaching staff within one yeah I mean credit, like, look we're saying all this stuff about Roundtree and, but like credit to Dennis Eamie and credit to Mike Prendergast because they're clearly doing a hell of a job there because as you said that link between the forwards and the backs is there the forwards are playing like I said they're not just one out runners like they were for years the forwards are playing like dare I say it like Leinster forwards <laughs> yeah Sean Kleinway is a little offload you know like we would have yeah. just seen him a season gone by just trucking it up but yeah, yeah that link for uh, Frisch's try wasn't it with yeah. Fekatoa like getting it out and creating that gap but again bringing it to the line little pop out the back and I was like oh fancy I know it kills me to say but it's very Leinster-esque isn't it that's it like, I mean, like it's, it's good to see like we have ball players in that squad but they're actually using them and like out the backs the backs are actually getting their hands mm-hmm. on the ball which is something that didn't happen in Munster over the last three or four seasons. Yeah. They didn't even get the ball. Like, I know they're getting the ball. Well, you know what I mean? But now that they're getting the ball, like, okay, well, these guys can actually do something. And they're being inventive. Like, they're mm-hmm. actually playing rugby and it's working. I mean, sometimes, like, those offloads might not always stick, but they they, they, they stuck on Friday night. Like, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, there was a couple of them that stuck against Toulouse as well. I know we lost that yep. game. But they're starting to play. And, like, you have to... When Ireland first started, like, really, like, reinventing their game in, in Farrell's second season, a lot of those balls, like, went to ground. Yeah. But now, look at them, every single offload is sticking, like, you know? So, that, that's what you got to see. Because even Hodnett's one, um, he got held up and he yeah. gave a little pop down. But even Patterson to look at the blind side um, and he got a nice try there. Like, just the variations was lovely. But, yeah, like, that confidence not to... They want to keep the ball moving. Mm. Do you know? And it made life... And, again, we can go back to Ospreys and how poor they are. But the bottom line is it's so hard to play against against a team that always want to keep the ball alive because you know yourself you're always trying to get onside and you're working so hard on D yeah. Um, yeah. and they'd obviously targeted that inside ball Shane Daly to Zebo, Baron to Zebo, yeah. um, Joey Carby as well obviously took it to the game line kind of dummied that pass he looked yeah. a man for me who was confident like that try mm. alone was just confident and I think I think it's probably, though it wasn't the most welcome decision, it's probably the best decision to give him a run of games where he's at 10, he's pulling the strings, he's commanding even his kicks. Like, he just looked, he's starting to look that the pressure's off, The pressure's off now. Exactly. You know what I mean? Let him play. Like, But I think credit as well to the S&C coaches, because we're seeing that with Ireland and now with Munster. You can't play that level of intensity, like, unless you're fit. And we've seen, like, we saw it against France with Ireland, like, that kind of, that fitness is really uh, mm-hmm. pushing Ireland over the line. I think we're seeing that with Leinster always had that, like Lancaster brought that in years ago. Yeah. Whereas like they're probably the fittest team in Europe and that's why they can keep that high intensity. Their ruck speed, like, I mean, what was it? What Three was to there? five seconds, I, like, think. I think. Yeah. I think there was, there was a game there, like not recently, like, and it was like one and a half to two seconds. It was that quick. And that's, uh, that's become like kind of an intrinsic part of the of Irish rugby. Mm-hmm. Like we got it in Leinster, we got it in Ireland, now we're getting it in Munster as well. And we're seeing it with Connacht and Ulster as well. So it's a huge, like we, the the S and C coaches like they're they're not big names everyone yeah. they never get the credit like of what they do like mm. so what's going on behind the scenes to get these players up to a fitness level like you know all about that Craig I mean how yeah. important your fitness is yeah. exactly hundred percent so you can't imp- implement the game plan unless you're fit 100%. and and keep c- turning out week in week out fellas like the Shane Daly's the John Kleins Paddy Patterson's they're playing week in week out yeah. and Charlinda you're sitting here with a black eye like you know how hard <laughs> it is to be playing week in week out <laughs> it's not easy I'd like to have a great stories for you but I'd someone like wrapped see, me around. I'd like to see what happened to the other part. <laughs> Listen, we won't say nothing I managed to stay in the field <laughs> <laughs> exactly well you mentioned a while ago Lindsay the centre partnership of Frisch and Fekatoa really unbelievable to click. they were clicking and offload knowing exactly where each other were both of them got tries mm-hmm. but Fekatoa is on the way out he's on the way out at the end of the season yeah so like we said that a few months back that we were kind of there was rumours around Limerick that there was a break in his contract so I think 
that was to just kind of date an option not to extend it after year one. But they're after bringing this guy in, Alex Nankavelli. So he's a chief center, is he? 26, I think he is. So this guy, we, we might recognize him when you, when you see him from over here. He played against Ireland in the, there, in the summer in the, for the Maoris and he also played for New Zealand XV against the Barbarians. So I'll be honest, I don't know much about this guy, but just based on reading comments on social media from New Zealanders, a lot of them I think are surprised that he's coming, yeah, coming he's over because yeah. they're like, they think he was close enough to the All Blacks. Oh, wow. So apparently like he is very, very talented. I've saw some clips of him. He's a big lad, six foot three, 16, 17 stone, but he's got lovely soft hands. I saw nice. a couple of tries of him like flinging like a 15 meter offload out, <laughs> out, out, out to the winger. I, I swear to God, it was incredible clip like. But, uh, Such a weird decision for him to come up to Munster mm. if he was in touching distance for the All Blacks. And mm. you're seeing that from all the comments underneath the Rugby Lab post. Yeah, yeah. this is like actual news. Like Kiwis and stuff saying that. Like, So it's interesting to see that they're surprised that this guy is coming to Munster. So we're not, we're not privy to that information. We don't know what happened no. there. But I think it could be end up in a, an astute bit of business because the kind of rugby that Frisch plays... I think the two of them could complement each other very well. Yeah. yeah. You know? But you're saying Alex Nankivell isn't Irish qualified? No, not at all. Not, not so we'd have to be so here for five years. Be here for five years, five years yeah. Seems a mad signing. What, yeah. the, what the thought process is there? Or do you think it's maybe like a filler while all the stuff's still going on with Chris Farrell and we're yeah, waiting for him to get back? It's an interesting one. Well, I think this guy, like, I mean, I don't think he's a filler. He sounds to me like he's a top, top player that's coming over. Yeah. But maybe, like I see, obviously, like we wouldn't know what's going on in New Zealand. Maybe he was, maybe he spoke to the All Blacks and was told he's not. Getting in. He's not. He's not going to get in. Like, and he's not there, and he's 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 way behind. Like in the pecking order, and he's like, okay, you know yourself. Maybe he's like, I want to go over to 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 Europe. Like, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, like Super Rugby isn't what it used to be in terms of the the league that's there. I mean, like everyone knows now at the moment. Like, if you want to play club rugby at the highest level, you want to play Champions Cup. Hundred yeah, percent. Maybe that's maybe that's the thing. And, and like, maybe he wants to go traveling. Maybe he wants to go traveling. Like, like Mac, it's uh, the allure. Of and Mac Hansen well. of yeah, you, you know. know it's a big it's a massive club we forget yeah. that sometimes that's you true know? and coming to the beautiful Limerick like where else would you rather live in the do world you know what I mean? like, do you know what I've been waiting for this day where he's just, just like monster 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 and I beautiful love it Limerick. two happy little men now this morning <laughs> <laughs> two happy men is right we'll move on to your lovely Leinster now but I just finally on to give a little tip of the hat Ooh. to Mr. Simon Zebo back starting on the wing getting a try Doing his celebrations, he looked happy, didn't he? I'll strap into the camera and tell you what, <laughs> to practice that, I was like... <laughs> He's a born performer, that fella. Uh, like. That fella, listen. Yeah, no, great. Delighted to see him back and hopefully he can get a run um, injury-free. Exactly. That's great. another big thing you were saying about the SNCs. There's been very few major, other than obviously Tyburn, and we wish a speedy recovery, yeah. but there's been very few injuries for yeah. Munster. I think RG is supposed to be due back in the next couple of weeks as RG well, Simon, so that yeah. would be absolutely Gee, geez, they're going to be obnoxious now, lads, if he's getting a good run in the <laughs> cup and everything. We're losing yes. Tyburn now for possibly like 12 weeks or I so. Know. I mean, of all players, like there's only like three Munster players in the Irish team and one we had Did to lose one of them. Didn't we? Uh, it's an ankle problem, so it's like Just up to 12 weeks. Like, you know, yeah. I, I didn't, they didn't say it, but I think he has to get... He's out for 12 weeks, which would seem like... Sendless Probably, 12 weeks yeah. so that's a huge goal for us like. but like you know what get him paired up and get him ready for the World Cup yeah. do you know what I mean we'll get through the Six Nations we have enough good players coming in like you mentioned Ryan Bard before we came on air and stuff like that and Gavin Coombs so Tyg fix that ankle get back for the World Cup because yeah. we want to win that thing exactly um, moving on to Lindsay's Leinster they won 43-14 Against Dragons. Now Dragons again are another Welsh team who are probably struggling with the mindset of everything we spoke about earlier. But then again, Leinster just smashed it. Seven tries, 14 straight consecutive win in the URC. And they're still kind of getting criticised. People weren't happy with how they played. I thought they were just exceptional again, Lindsay. Uh, listen, that's... 
It's like bottle, opening a bottle of Moe and expecting it to just hit <laughs> hit home the same way all the time. Get over it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it is like, you know, um, the thing about this is it was a stark reminder for me that we still have the likes of Harry Byrne. Reese Ruddock got player of the match. Jordan Larmer scored a cheeky try off a blindside pick from a rook. Yeah. And Luke you're McGraw like, was oh, exceptional. Yeah. Intercept try had done their homework. Um, Charlie Texter then at the end, um, a lovely chip over the top from Dave Carney. And you're listening to all these names in the commentary, you're like, Jesus, they were in Ireland squads, they were in training camp. Do you know, there's still such calibre of players. I and mean, obviously, we've just come from Munster and this calibre player there. We spoke about Calvin Coombs who can't get in and just Irish rugby are in a rich vein. And I think, listen, the criticism. You can't criticise Leinster for getting in players that deserve time. Um, like Brian Deeney's in there again, the Wexford man who, who got his first cap a couple of weeks ago and he's getting consistency. So um, I don't think a win is a win. It was at home. There was a great variation of tries. And I think, look, they're like a well-oiled machine. They're not going to be entertaining all the time, but a win. Yeah, I thought they were great. Like, I don't, I don't know where the criticism's coming from. I know. I think people just, as you said, it's a very good mo- metaphor. You expect them away to hit the same <laughs> yeah, every single yeah. time. Yeah, 100%. Standards are too high. Like, I mean, they scored yeah. 43 bloody points. Like, what more do you want? What was a seven or eight tries? With, with all their internationals missing, and they're still banging 43 points. Like, come on, give yeah. a break. They've scored their 66th and 67th tries at the URC, and <sighs> Jimmy O'Brien had a big part to play in that. Did you see uh, his counterattack? Listen, that was unbelievable. Sure, it was that he... Uh, he gathered it his footwork was unbelievable who did he set up for that try Rob Russell scored oh yes it. Rob Russell um, scored uh, it was brilliant I watched it back I was like how is he just running around fellas for fun like <laughs> yeah it was like they weren't even there I was yeah. like good man I was roaring at the telly I was like go on Jimmy <laughs> I know I'd love to see him now get into some for some minutes for the Six Nations do you think yeah. he might get in this weekend I think he should do you know I was having a chat with someone during the week um, actually um, someone who both did our our, sur- our our plastic surgery um, <laughs> but it was a good chat rugby about rugby injuries not just nose jobs yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> what he's cough. saying um, anyway he, we were having the chat about who would we like to see in and starting and obviously he was saying about Jordan Armour but I was thinking Jimmy because I think Jordan's back playing but not as consistently like Jimmy was like different gravy Jimmy deserves it ah he does so mm. I think again, he's, been, for, he's been consistent all season has he and like when he came in and, and I played that game in South Africa he was absolutely he got thrown into the test arena it was a like 13 he came in that wasn't it yep. yeah. it was absolutely brilliant so he does it. but the thing is like, where, where would you where would you give so him would you put him full back or wing where, it has to be one of those two I think this is what I was thinking it Jimmy's so lovely he'd never even say it he probably doesn't even think it but James Lowe is just taking his position because he James Lowe mm. has that left boot yeah Jimmy has a left mm-hmm. boot they're both electric they're both strong like it's just I think that's just what's happened James Lowe's just fit again yeah. I'd start him on the full back and give then Keenan a rest like I'd give Keenan a rest and then when Keenan comes on for second half depending on how Jimmy's playing maybe you could move him for the wing for the last couple of minutes and kind of move people around yeah. I don't see too many changes for Italy to be honest can we actually mention for Hugo Keenan as well Hugo Keenan uh, signed a three year IRFU central contract becomes the first sevens player to come into the men's game and get a three year central contract and lads I don't think come there's on, anyone Hugo. I don't think there's anyone more deserving I mean like when you look at back as since he's come in I mean, is it 28 or 29 or like 30 tests he's played yeah. and he's, he's been, been has, he, has he had a bad game mm-hmm. I'd argue he's the best fullback in the world at the moment he's, it's, he's up there he's up without there a doubt Barrett, yeah. Barrett. Up we there. put him in the world 15 did we not mention him last week yeah we did but, but it's good to see him get rewarded like because yeah. it's like I mean we were only saying it there like a good few weeks back like kind of you know, when, when Carney was there and Car- when Carney was in and out and we were waiting for him to come back and then we had like three or four different guys in at 15 mm-hmm. and Joaquin has come out of nowhere like and now we're kind of like, how do we ever survive without you? I know, because we even tried Jordan Larmer <laughs> at 15. Do you, you know? know? We, yeah. the amount of fellas it was we talks to Zebo come back yeah. and put Zebo in at 15 but like if you look at Ireland's success 
we said this time and time again, 15 is such a pivotal position in the test arena. And we saw that against France when yeah. they were trying to kick. How important was it against France? Where would Ireland be now? Would Ireland be number one and in the form they're now without Hugh Keenan? Yeah. He's probably one of the most important players. Mm-hmm. That's the thing with you guys and being a fullback is you have to just be so safe. And mm-hmm. like I think I was reading a, an article that Pat wrote that Hugo just puts out fires that you wouldn't even notice. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He's just moving people around and closing off gaps and catching balls which is just so essential and it's why he's been rewarded with a massive iron few central contract but it's cool to see that he got three years mm-hmm. you know yourself Lindsay now, now he can like relax and just concentrate on his rugby mm-hmm. rather than going because if you get a one year yeah. even if you get a two year say if you get a two year contract you, you play your first season and then you're already worried again mm-hmm. you only get one kind of season where you can relax and in that season you've probably been negotiating a contract anyway yeah, yeah. so three years gives you a nice gap to kind of just you're probably even better now yep. it's interesting Embed in face, and just concentrate. It? Like, ah, it's, not, it's normally two-year contracts they give out. Like it's rarely yeah. two-year contracts. It shows the fate, doesn't it? Big time, big time, and he's deserving. So congratulations. Because he'd be snapped up by a French club in two seconds. Like do you I know, know I mean? and so, the amount yeah. of money he could make, you know. So. I saw an interesting one. What's his name? Um, Reese Hodge. He's going to set for signing for Beyond. Is that this morning? It's an hmm. interesting one. Like he's a like. Who's Reese Hodge? Hodge, the Australian oh, fullback. Yeah, yeah he's no going. To, he's going to Beyond. Like so, I was like, so I saw he was, he was going to a French club. I was like Beyond. He must be giving him a nice few quid. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 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 a, he's a top, top, top player. Like yeah. he's with yeah. the, I think he's with the Rebels. So interesting one. Yeah, that's always the option for to go over to France. But I'd say Hugo's on a nice little penny now with that contract. Well, but you know what? He deserves it. I played with Hugo in the seventh team for years. He kept me out of the ten jersey for so long, and it was like fair enough because he was class. But <laughs> <laughs> I ruined him loads of times. And he was such a gent. He worked so hard. You're, you can't take it from him. He deserves no. it. Like, it's completely. so hard to be competitive with someone like that. You're just like, yeah. don't look at me. Just stop being up. So it's, nice. it's a good incentive for the, like I said, like he's the yeah. first guy to come from sevens to get a central contract. Mm. So it's good to see, like, I mean, when you have, like, years ago, it was mad to even see a sevens going to transition over. Now mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more of it. Whereas because our sevens structure there now is so good that we can actually bring players through the sevens structure because they're doing that for years in New Zealand and Australia. Big I mean, Jonah Lowe started playing sevens first, the likes of Caleb Clark and mm-hmm. Lucas. Like uh, uh, John Porch now over here with Connacht, like there's a lot of top yeah. players which we didn't have that before with Ireland. Like, yeah, do you know? I have two funny stories that you go actually. Um, first one is <laughs> when we were over in Hong Kong playing in the World Series qualifier. You have to win the qualifier, like, and if you don't win the win it, you go back to uh, the start and you have to qualify again. It takes ages. It's really hard to get into the mm-hmm. World Seven Series. Yeah. You go in the first game, I think, in a group game against Uruguay or against Russia, one or the other. He he does his ankle, same as Ty Byrne. He, oh, his, no. his ankle really bad. But the IRFU and the Irish Rugby 7 teams backed him so much that they tried to play him with a dodgy ankle. And he was limping around with like <laughs> so much tape on, could barely walk. He was still trying to play, had the gear on. And I was just sitting on the bench, fresh as a, like whatever, <laughs> like just so fit, be like, just play me. <laughs> so eventually they just gave in and put me on. I ended up actually playing really well, scoring a try in the final and stuff, but they were just pushing Hugo so much. That's how good a player yeah, he is. Like, do you know what I mean? And then the other story I have with him is... So when I went into a little show called Love Island, mm-hmm. I was rooming. Are with you on that? You on <laughs> that show? Yeah. I can't believe that. I was in. I was in. <laughs> uh, you might not know. Yeah. No, no, we didn't hear anything about. We it. were over in France playing in the Olympic qualifier, and I was rooming with Hugo Keenan, and I had my whole gear bag full of. Uh, like I love island clothes and just layered the top with oil few gear and then I remember Hugo went to get something out of my bag and I was like don't go near my bag <laughs> and then um, we were finished the Sunday tournament and I was tr- to fly to the villa 
And uh, I was like sitting in the room with Hugo and I was like, how am I going to get out of here without like him finding out what's going on? And I, I said that I had to go for a family bereavement at home, which was a lie, which is such a bad lie. I don't recommend doing <laughs> oh, it. God. The Hugo was so like, like empathetic and really sad. And he was like, oh man, I hope you're okay. And he was texting me and stuff when I was on the flight to Mallorca. <laughs> and I ended up going into the villa. Like, so it just shows how much of a nice guy he is. Like, what so, a man. Um, yeah, I mean, Hugo go way back. He deserves it big time. Yeah. Um, all right, going back to the rugby. So Glasgow Ulster was on over in Glasgow and Scotstown. Bad, filthy night over in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, rain. It wind. always is in Scotstown. Yeah, it was. Seventeen <laughs> eleven. Glasgow won. Um, it was a decent enough game. Kind of boring though. Lots of malls and stuff. Asher was like five, five apiece. Was it at halftime? Like it was kind of Ulster had the better the first half, but uh, to be honest, it was Glasgow who um, kind of killed them on their set piece. They did a nice couple of lineouts, and uh, Dempsey scored one where they kind of hit the middle and changed the point to contact to the front so there was no Ulster players and he just kind of came through um, so yeah I think Glasgow were deserving at the end they kind of bullied Ulster which was surprising but they got the bonus points the losing bonus points so yeah. I think they're yeah okay. they got a couple of like mall tries you said Jack Dempsey Fraser Brown got a try Fraser as Brown. well yeah um, so it was kind of they, they played the conditions got their mm. few set piece tries and Glasgow are in fourth and Ulster in third so mm. they, they closed that gap there which is good win for Ulster or good win for Glasgow and then Munster in behind them in fifth mm. so it's going to be a little fight there for fourth place yeah. between the three of those teams yeah we were and saying then, that as well that we've got Munster have got Scarlets next and then after that they've got Glasgow at home so there's a nice okay. little battle going to go on there now to see who's going to get that yeah that third, fourth, fifth kind of spot, like as yeah. we know, like top four is into the knockouts. Mm. So it'll be an interesting battle. I'm not sure who Ulster are playing next, but I'm not sure either. But there's a the nice little battle. battle there to finish mm. off the second half of the season, isn't there? In the URC. Now, Connacht were also in action over in Zebra and they won 57 34. They were running away with the game for a while, and then Zebra, as they always do, kind of came back with three second half tries. I watched the game and it was quite boring again. Just a load of mall tries from Connacht. But then again, that's just the way it has to be to win a game sometimes. Oh no, it was a ter- I thought it was a terrible game. Like it, <laughs> it, it was like they were cruising and then it was like 72 minutes on the clock and it was 38, 34. I was like, what What happened here? And like, to be honest, Connacht were kind of like, oh, let's just take this box and get out of here. That's the vibe I was getting off them, to be honest, even though they scored a, a load of tries. But look, it's a good win for them. Um, I think they've put a bit of consistency now together with their wins. So it'll it'll bode well now. Just it's kind of one of everybody's just one of those teams just go over get it done and get back out yeah it is it's kind of like a job done but Connacht are up to 8th now after 4 wins in their last 5 games in all competitions and there was a couple of moments of brilliance Tiernan and Halloran showed his experience doing a quick line out in, uh, he finished it off himself Caelan Blade Intercept was in good try as well wasn't it yeah, yeah. yeah. Dermot Gallum was good so they did the job got it done oh Marmion that was it With the, at the end he put the gloss on it it was an intercept try yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, nothing too, too much more to say about that, Jason, is there? No, no, so it's just good to see four Irish sides up into the, top, into the top eight now, like, so we we, we didn't foresee this a, f- a few weeks back, so. No, yeah. it's good. Exactly. And it's coming up Ireland at the moment, really, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to also say that, like, the provinces are flying it. Obviously, Ulster lost in the weekend, but they're still in really good form. Yeah, yeah, no, Vermeulen, and I think yeah. just sometimes when their their big Irish players are gone into camp, you yeah. know, you need Vermeulen. It's still third, like. Yeah, 100%, like, again... I think we're just a bit like Leinster we're, we're expecting you yeah. know the Maui to hit the, the, the yeah. same way you know for mm. Ulster but I think they're look they're in a good position and they'll put a run of games together I'm yeah. not worried about yeah. them I saw Donald Lennon talking about the difference between Welsh Rugby Union and Irish Rugby Union and he's saying that 
Ireland is so easily separated into four provinces, obviously geographically, which makes people so supportive of their home province. But it's just made the RFU, it's really easy to kind of run the whole system. Where yeah. in Wales, you said at the start of the podcast, they just kind of amalgamated different cities and they different did, yeah. counties and regions. And it, it just wasn't a natural uh, makeup. I think that's where, where the kind of epicenter of the issue mm. is. It wasn't as scarlet and Osprey to try to merge them recently, like, and it was a PVAC was saying that he thought that was going ahead and thought it was a good idea, but like, you can't just do that. Like, that's, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, when you look at it, like, take a step back and be a fan and go, imagine someone turn on and go, yeah, we're merging Munster and merging at Leinster. It's just, you know, it'd be absolute uproar. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and it might, it might have made a good business decision years ago, like, but if you didn't know what mm. the fans are like, oh, I'm not supporting them. I support Munster. Oh, I'm not supporting them. I support Leinster. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it always comes tr- back it's to a the tricky fans. one, like, but it just shows that provinces are flying it, and that's why Ireland are number one in the world and they're doing so well. And long may it continue. Long may it continue. Oh, yes, into course. the World Cup in France this year. <laughs> um, elsewhere in the league, Stormers beat Bulls 23-19 to stay second in the table. And uh, yeah, the URC is flying it, but it's on a break next week because the Six Nations is back. Mm-hmm. So do we want to kind of jump into the Six Nations, Ireland versus Italy? Yes, we do. What do we think is, do we think this is going to be a complete overhaul or is Andy Farrell going to stick with what has been tried and tested? I don't see same as what we said last week I don't see a complete overhaul but there will certainly be changes mm-hmm. um, where I don't know obviously we know Ty Byrne is gone so we're looking at like, will, it, will it be Henderson coming in there or as you said like hopefully um, Bear to be in yeah. there um, I'm not sure to be honest with me, what do you think? Um, I would like to, well, I, Bird wasn't in the Leinster squad, and then I didn't see him at camp, so I'm not sure there's an injury there. Um, and then do we, I'd like to see Bird or John McCarthy in there and just put a bit of inexperience in. But then Gavin Coombs absolutely deserves a nod. But then where do you put him in an absolute world class back row? Um, do you want Peter Rest or something? I think, <laughs> yeah, give Peter Rest and do you move Doris to six and play Coombs at eight, or do you put Coombs at six? Um, I, I, if I was going to give uh, Coombs a run at, at, rugby, at international rugby I'd give him a run at 8 that's yeah. his better position and I think Doris is just Doris if you could put Doris in like at 15 if you want to do like, <laughs> 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 still probably get man of the match True. I don't think it makes a difference there, yeah. but to give Coombs a fair chance put him in in his best position mm. so throw him at 8 yeah. if you're feeling that there's not going to be many changes that they might just stick with the top Squad. I mean like at the end of the day it's Italy over in Rome and it's not the Italy of old we've seen Italy in the first two mm. games they almost they should have beaten France and they gave England a good run for their money so it's not a gimme I'm it's sure Ireland will win but you can't like just go yeah, it can't yeah. be too many you know? changes I'd say and I, that's the vibe I'm kind of getting with who we released back to their provinces who we kept in yeah in he camp. kept all his big boys yeah like. he kept all his big boys so I don't see many changes obviously um, Byrne is a forced one but I don't think Henderson's done enough to come in there that's why I'd mm. like to see one of the, the younger lads come in, in there. It's, yeah. an, it's an easy one to do like yeah 100% yeah, and we said we'd like Jimmy to get in there. The back Absolutely, three, he yeah. deserves it. Mm. Crowley to get a few minutes at 10, if not start. Because, well, Ross Byrne should probably get the start. And the Crowley I think the Byrne bench. should get the start to build because he came on and did so well the last mm. day against France. So I think he deserves some consistency. But I would like to see Crowley come in. Yeah, I would he like to see him minutes. Like, no Absolutely. point having him in training for the whole thing and not give him a few no, minutes. No, and he wasn't released back, which is a good sign. Do you know, yeah. so I don't see Johnny. I wouldn't. We don't need Johnny. I don't, yeah, Johnny doesn't need to play this game. Please he do really not include Johnny. He, he picked up an injury well in, in the... In the France game, game like, so yeah. he put a bit of a knock. Like, I mean, look, Johnny is 37, whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, uh, Ross Byrne showed coming off the bench like, that he's well able to handle it. And yep. Crowley, as we've seen in the past against Australia, starting for Johnny, you have two tens there that need. I mean, if you can't show them in against Italy, like, and give them, like, <laughs> no offense to Italy, like, I mean, when are you ever going to trust them? Mm-hmm. Do you know? 
Yeah, and they'd be well able so. for the job. Yeah, hundred percent. And I actually read the other day. I presume this is common knowledge, but I didn't know it. Johnny Sexton's the oldest Six Nations player ever. He's yeah, like, I saw. Yeah. I saw that, and I wasn't. I was kind I of. I think I was once there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's thirty-seven and something, two hundred something days, or I don't know exactly what it is. I think Alwyn Jones is then behind him as uh, the second oldest. And the thing is, like Johnny Sexton isn't playing scrum half, or isn't playing on the wing. No. And I can say that because I was a winger. Like I, you're not in as many collisions as as a more infield player. And Johnny Sexton's taking massive hits off mm. flankers and stuff, and he's still going. Like especially his style of rugby, he plays so flat, like he plays uh, so hard to the line, yeah. and he gets smashed. <laughs> like <laughs> I was shocked. Like cause I was thinking ahead, like someone like Simon Shaw, who played, he was like 39 playing for the Lions. But he wasn't playing for England, so he probably played his last Six Nations game at like 35 or something. Mm. So for him to be playing like at 10 at that at age, 10. at the high, like what about his break against France? I, mean, I was in my right. head and Pe- like, Peter like, Manny is absolutely gassed and trying to keep up on him. I was like, this lad is quick. Oh, it's nuts. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, actually met Johnny in the gym. He was there doing a bit of um, recovery and I brought that up. I was like, man, I didn't know you had the toe. Like, <laughs> How laughing. do you take that? And he's there laughing. He goes, you look fast when everyone else is tired. So he wouldn't even take the compliment. He thought, nah. he's like, everyone else was wrecked and he just had a bit of energy he said at the time. But he started the game it was 60 minutes in or something yeah. so um, or a bit and earlier aging like a fine wine Johnny is huh? the funniest thing is like when he started sprinting and he was moving quick I, my first initial thought was please don't pop a hamstring <laughs> uh, yeah I was waiting for him to like like seize up or just like slowly run out of energy but he didn't he did and he got perfect. the pass away he's yeah. just really good pass into the into the gap where um, Doris was going not even to Doris Sand. I was like you're smart there's a reason why he was world player of the year and nominated again Top stuff, Johnny. We love you, fella. Keep it up. Um, so Pat had a little nice idea, a uh, talking point for us. He wants to know, I'm going to start with Lindsay, mm-hmm. your favorite player growing up. And then after that, the biggest influence on your sporting life. So it could be the same player, but or same person. Jason, you're going to be up next as well. I hope you have one in mind. I do. Um, do you know what? I'm going to pick Keith Woods. Um, he wasn't flamboyant or anything, but he was probably ahead of his time. Obviously, Lions, uh, Ireland captain. Um, and he's just that typical little hooker where he was just always like involved. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose I came to rugby late. So like there was, I remember Jason Robertson. Um, oh, what's Gabby Logan? Uh, Logan, what's his first name? For Scotland, he was the out half Kenny Logan. Um, yeah. So I'm showing my age now. I'm like, really, that's Jesus <laughs> Christ. But like, it was always Six Nations time was exciting, even though my house wasn't necessarily a rugby house. And obviously my dad has three girls, but we'd always, we'd always watch it. And they were kind of the players that stood out for me. Jason, obviously, Robinson was the flamboyance. But um, okay. I'm going to go with Keywood because I think his consistency and he, he was a standout Irish player at the time. Do you know when we yeah. were kind of in wooden spoon territory and ebbing and flowing out of and he was another fellow that got world player of the year and he was a hooker yeah can you believe it that's the front he's still the only front note I've got I think as far as I know I think so yeah the only front note ever got world player of the year he was ever, and he was the inaugural I was IRB world player of the year back, back then, like, yeah. So. yeah great choice up. well done Jason. what about your influence so oh, yeah. both. you going for a second one um, Joel I have to give this Right, I'm going to give it to my mom, obviously, but indirectly, because my mom, I'm the eldest of the three girls, and I always tell this story. My mom was so worried when it came out of secondary school that I'd absolutely go delinquent. She was probably right to worry, <laughs> but um, she kind of directed me into the world of basketball. So I'm going to give it to my mom uh, indirectly. Nice. And then she come with her, her tea, her flask of tea in my basketball finals and say, if Mark ain't, why is he giving out to you? And then she'd be <laughs> threatening to go up to him. I'm like, no, mom. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it to my mom. But you don't um, have any uh, influence on your rugby career as well? No, she just told me not to hurt other really? other people's daughters, and I'm like, well, 
Okay, she what was more into me? the basketball. Uh, no, she. They. Do you know what? It was a turning point. No, they came to all of my games. To be fair, um, I remember they had a moment I scored in the All Ireland final in 2014, and see, my sisters tell this great story where my mom and dad look at each other and kind of well up and just hug, and they're like just jumping up and down for me in that final. And my family have had a big influence, but I suppose the starting point was my mom. And okay, nice. to be fair, I'll give a shout out to my basketball family. Like I recently went back to the cup finals, and there's people you mightn't have seen and. A long, long time and they're just so supportive. So I've been very lucky. There have been so many, you know, influences, but uh, I'll give them on to nice. my, my beautiful Lovely mother. Lovely stuff, Lindsay. Great choices. Excellent. Mr. Jason, your favourite player growing up? I'm going to go for uh, a good stout Limerick man and an Ard School Irish man. That'd be Paul O'Connell. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because, don't know, I mean, just like, even like nice. being in school, like, I mean, Paul came into us a few times, like for Junior Cup and Senior Cup and like going around the halls, you see pictures of him and like, and you ask any player that's played with him or played against him and they always speak like mm. to me it was amazing to have someone who's probably one of the most famous and one of the most respected rugby players in the history of the sport to come out of Limerick and he's such a humble such a nice man yeah. just a, a, a gentle giant Lions and captain as Lions well Lions captain yeah. in 2009 like so I mean yeah. probably one of the best players and even now look at the difference he's made to the, the, the Ireland team as coming yeah. in as a coach mm. so it's brilliant brilliant but um Sporting life, obviously, I didn't play rugby at the level you played at a provincial international level. So I was more on the other side of things. I was involved in the media. So for me, when I started a rugby lad back in 2012 now, so we're looking at 10 years ago is when I got into it. And for me, and a lot of people might not be aware of this. So in 2013, there was a, remember Brian O'Driscoll mm -hmm. was dropped by Gatland. And remember, there was a huge campaign called Justice for Bod. And yeah. it went national. I actually created that page and created that campaign. Because I was always like enamored with Brian O'Driscoll. So he was the guy that, I suppose, I look back at him, he was the guy that I was always like, just I'd love someday to meet Brian O'Driscoll. Like, and I've thankfully I've had the opportunity to interview him several times since. But he also launched my career because mm -hmm. that's where I got it all from. Was was from, was from people getting behind Brian O'Driscoll in that line store. So he's probably been a big influence on my career. Nice. Yeah, that's lovely. Would you, that's they're very good ones. In mm. fairness to you, but uh, as you said, me and Lindsay were played representative rugby, but you're nearly more involved in rugby from the grassroots level. Mm. You've created your own club down yeah. in Limerick. It's called Old Boys. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. Creating your own club is huge. Yeah, that it's kind of a mad one. So like we, it was always something that myself and a few of the lads used to say. It was two lads, Barry Sheehan and Jeremy Orby, the two main guys that that started it off. But years ago, it was more kind of pub talk. It's like we should start set up a club because there's a lot of guys that we know who have played rugby at a high level, AIL or whatnot. But because of commitments with their careers, commitments with their families, that they, they couldn't really keep playing um, because they, they wanted to keep playing with their friends and their family and stuff like that. Like, But so what we did is we looked into this four years ago and then like we started going hard at it like and we got approved and we're we're the first new club in Munster in over 40 years. Wow. And we won a trophy in our first year and we have a training base in Dublin. We've got a training base in Limerick. Um, we've got, I think it's around 65 players signed up for us. We've like regularly got Jeez. 20 guys training up now. And so like, it's incredible. It's, do you know what I said? Like we won a trophy in our first year, won a trophy in our second year and we're in our fourth year now and we got to this first time getting to the semi-final of the league. Amazing. So we're hoping and that would be, that would be all three trophies you could possibly win if we can win that this year in our first four years. Wow. So that's what we're hoping to do hopefully. But nice. uh, no, it's a good thing. Like I said, like uh, there's a lot of guys that are, you'll know yourself people f because of their commitments for family and work that stop playing sport mm -hmm. and stop playing rugby when they can and we're giving these guys an opportunity to play again and we're enjoying it. And we're all friends. Like the, our committee is made up of 30 year old guys, you know, so it's hilarious. Like, like to, to be Me and your we Do made you know? friends with you on the Insta so I was, yeah. I was checking these out over the weekend Excellent. so now you have a new supporter as well. Thank you very much. 
It's incredible. Yep. I can only imagine the loops you have to jump through to create a rugby team. It's in not Ireland. easy, like, so It's not easy. Fair play to you, It's lad. not easy. You're what keeps uh, rugby going in the grassroots level. So yep. well done, fella. Um, I think that's unbelievable. And it's up there yeah. with playing representative yeah. for your rugby or for your country because yeah. you're keeping fellas playing. That's and it. That's what that's matters. It. So well, well you done. Gotta, you tell us your one, so you got to go. My uh, favourite player growing up, Lindsay actually name dropped him a while ago, Jason Robinson. Oh, nice. uh, just because he'd beat you in a phone boot and I'll <laughs> always remember his try for the Lions in the first couple of minutes of the game against Australia and he just stepped your man in like no space went around the corner and it was just his feet and his power and explosiveness yeah. was just incredible and I actually was lucky enough I met him last summer and I went drinking with him over in, <laughs> uh, in oh. Silverstone F1 uh, he was at the same event crack. and nice. we, we just clicked straight away and we Brilliant. were just on the points together And have you more funny man. stories for us no another suitable for the podcast but oh. uh, he got on the bus with us. he wasn't supposed to come back with us he got on the bus with us and we were down the back just like ripping the piss and like drinking and uh, chanting and um, I was just completely fangirling him like just doing that with Jason Robinson and he's such a nice guy as well no aura about him um, so he was my favourite player growing up Class. that was really cool Biggest influence on my sporting life, similar enough to Lindsay, I, I would have to say my father, if I was to pick one mm -hmm. in, in that kind of sense where he and it's only now in an, when I'm older and looking back, like he used to like fly all over the place for work and do his. He had a company, he'd run his company. Then he'd come back, train my school team like on a Tuesday, Thursday, and then he'd, he'd go working again. He'd come back and train my club team on a Sunday. Sometimes I wouldn't even be training. He'd still be out there like mm -hmm. and he'd be driving me all around the place, never complaining. So like without him, I 100% wouldn't have played with Munster or with the Irish Sevens team and being Olympian. So him in that sense. But if I had to pick like a sporting figure, it would probably be Felix Jones. Okay. Oh, which is nice. kind of a weird one. But I picked Felix Jones because he, when he was playing at 15 for Munster and I was in the academy for mm -hmm. Munster, I'd ask him for like tips and like little extra sessions and stuff. And he'd always make time for me. Mm. And he'd be playing Heineken Cup games and I'd just be a young little academy lad and he'd go kick with me, he'd go pass with me. He'd do video analysis. And I never saw someone work harder. If you were in it like early, you'd think, oh, I'm one of the first ones in now. You went to the mm. video room, who's mm. only in there? Felix Jones or like, oh. you're, you know, it's just incredible. And even I remember one time he brought me over to his house in Limerick and gave me all his old gear and stuff. And it was oh, just class. really cool as a yep. young fella coming up like so. Look at where he is now. Like, I mean, he's one of the most respected rugby brands in the sport at the moment. Like he's over like with the box, like he's got a World Cup yeah. medal. Like, I mean, he, there isn't a club in the world that wouldn't take Felix Jones on because his analysis is supposed to be like second to none. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a man that like he was a decent player, but his work ethic is what got him to the top. Like, and he's in the world champions now, uh, yeah. backroom staff at the moment. So Felix Jones, you're a top lad. Well done, fella. Um, so we're looking ahead to the rest of the Six Nations games. We already talked about Italy and Ireland. Wales, England, we've spoken about that a bit as well. Asterisk beside that. If it does <laughs> go ahead. Double asterisk. <laughs> Give me confirmed. Fingers crossed it does go ahead. If it does, um, kind of the talking point is that Marcus Smith seemed to have been dropped by Steve Borwick. Or do you think it was just for one game? What do we think? It's an interesting one. Yeah, like we, myself and Pat were only saying it before that. And I were kind of like, hey, what, before that game going, what's going to happen? Like, And I was saying straight away, I was like, well, you definitely shouldn't be dropping Marcus Smith because he's very much the future of England rugby. So it the surprising one, like, but I mean, uh, we said that last week. They weren't fantastic. Yep. They weren't fantastic in that second game. So uh, I'd be more inclined to bring Marcus Smith back in. Like, but obviously, like, he's a new coach in there. He's trying new combinations and whatnot. Like, but. and he has to use these games. So I think we we're always going to allude, like, we allude to that, that Steve Bortwick needed to tactically use these, these games to try and, mm. yeah, like you said, put his combinations together, get some young lads, some game, like, test experience at international level. 
Um, and I think we all know what Marcus Smith can do. So I think if your goal is to, you know, like Ireland, win a Six Nations and a Grand Slam, great. I think for him, it was always just going to be trying deepen his squad and the experience in it. It'll be interesting if the game goes ahead, obviously, because the two new coaches and see who comes out the winner. Yeah. That you know, there's been a lot of chat, but I think the tie of the tournament will be the round. Uh, will be France Scotland. I think 100%. that's going to throw yeah. us up a home. That's going to be the game of the weekend now, and it is kind of up for grabs. Like Scotland played so well in the first two tests, Jeez, they'd be unbelievable. But they obviously have to go to Stade de France to play France, so that's going to be a difference, isn't mm. it, Jason? It's going to be an interesting one. Is it like Scotland are buzzing, is it the first time like in a long time, or is it ever like since since the last one that they've won the first two games? So Scotland are going to come in home and come into this game. France are coming on the back of a defeat to Ireland and like nearly losing to Italy. So like France aren't exactly, they're maybe, maybe they're not the power of us that we thought they were. Like maybe I'm not trying to ruin that, but um, I mean, it depends on what way France react to the Ireland game. Like, do mm -hmm. you mean, are they going to come out? Are they going to be absolutely bullying and come out and smash Scotland? Or are they going to be like French teams of old and the heads drop? And Scotland are playing really good rugby. Tomorrow. Like that, that, that game could go either way. I know. Part of me wants Scotland to win, but then I don't want them to come in on the back of a three to three wins, three wins, three, like, and then there are potential banana skin away to Murrayfield. Like then you're Scotland so you're kind of tactically like <laughs> yeah. who are we who are we supporting here? <laughs> yeah, and Scotland are in our group for the World Cup as well. Yeah, so I'm kind of like in the back of my head, I'm like they're going really well, guys, and that could be an issue for us because we often mm. have to play South Africa in the World Cup pool stages as well. And um, but we're not even there yet; we're still in the Six Nations. And a mad stat that Pat man managed to pull up was. Um, in the last 10 games of France and Scotland, it's been a 5-5 split mm -hmm. wins each. And Scotland beat France 27-23 the last time the sides met in France. I remember that game was a cracker of a game. Absolute that cracker. That was a brilliant game. Yeah. So, tell you lads, don't rule out the Scots with the way they're playing at the moment. Like Finn Russell is probably the form 10 in the world at the moment, the way yeah. he's playing. Like, Absolutely. You know, and then like you've got the likes of Duane van der Merwe who can score, as we saw against England. He was in my dream last night. <laughs> Just remember that. Anyway, moving <laughs> on, on quickly. No, you, no, on, you heard it here first. It was nothing in that sense. It was, I was given out to him, I think, positionally in his defence. Oh I'd like to say God. that I was asking him on a date or something. Never going to happen. But anyway, uh, no. <laughs> I only remember no. that. That was weird. That anyway, so moving funny. on. Yeah. There, like, like even someone like Hugh Jones is another guy who like was absolutely class disappeared into the wilderness for a while he went off to Harlequins and all there for a year and now he's back in playing with Scotland and he's class again mm -hmm. Jamie Ritchie's playing class rugby since he was um, I think Hogg is playing even better since the captaincy was taken away from him Yeah, was... and it suits Jamie Ritchie better than because like, he's actually leading by example Yeah, so they have a good squad there that's a great squad you know so, and I think they've uh, Hamish Watson played was it 40 minutes at the weekend wasn't it yeah. So there's a line to come back in, like as we know, like Hamish, like, I'm one of, of of all the players, like outside of Ireland. I absolutely love Hamish Watson. It was like everything mm -hmm. about him. He went, what did he go there? That record where he went something like how many games in a row he go without missing a tackle? It was something endless like that. But he is a warrior, and he's such a good seven. Will he be back in? He won't be back in. We well, played he? 40 minutes over the weekend, like so. Yeah. I mean, he probably be on the bench. Like if he's if he's fit and ready, you bring him onto the bench. It's Hamish Watson. But imagine yeah, yeah. Watson, Fagerson at eight and then uh, Jimmy Ritchie in six. at six, like the two back row battles then for mm, Ireland Scotland row, yeah. would be good. No, and then obviously the battles of the tens, the battles of the fullbacks, you yeah. know, there's some nice, juicy head to head squads. Well, it doesn't look like Ben Healy will be playing because he's playing for Munster in the weekend. So yeah. Hastings will probably be in again on the mm. bench. Finn yeah. will be playing. Mm -hmm. That's what you'd presume just off the base to yeah. that. But we'll see. That's going to be the game of the weekend for sure. Absolutely. Uh, tuning into France, Scotland. So we're going to do our Never Stop Competing moment of the week together with Bank of Ireland. And there was a lot of kind of suggestions thrown in, but we're going to go with Garrett Davies, uh, Troy. He got gifted a little um, five-pointer 
from Fafita. Did you see it? Yeah. Fafita ran 40 yards in. He's in the try line and he gave it to Gareth Davies just to <laughs> dot down. It's typical Fijian. If you watch the Fijian Rugby Sevens guys, they always do it. Yeah. They'd be all looking for tries and running over to each other, <laughs> handing it over and stuff. So I guess. It's like, what are you doing? What are you stopping for? And then, yeah. <laughs> so gift rat try for Gareth Davies. Uh, so our Never Stop Comedian Moment of the Week goes to um, Fafita and Davies for that beautiful little gift. And you have one you want to add it in. If it's okay, you? throw in um, a big shout out to Catherine Dane. Um, Catherine has is coming back from a pretty serious injury um, she had a, a bleed kind of stroke like and she was very lucky to be training in the IRFU in the sense that the medical staff were there um, so we wish Catherine a speedy recovery she came out during the week and kind of publicly outlined exactly what happened and just to say that she'd be the biggest supporter for now but um, so we just wish Catherine a speedy recovery and and just acknowledge her bravery to just come out and be honest and obviously it's not it's a difficult time for her but um, she's an absolute doll and we wish her a speedy recovery so yeah, yeah, it's in, it's incredible. Fair play to you, Lindsay. That's a great one. Never stop competing moment of the century. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the year. We, yeah, it's just a reminder that I think uh, this, you know, we, we come to it all the time, the show, but there's life outside of rugby. You know, it's bigger yeah. than the game. The people within it, like Jason and the club, and you have to take those moments where there's, there's people who, the people within it are bigger than the game itself. Yeah. That's what makes the game special. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, big love to Catherine and anyone else who's out there recovering from from injuries we, we look forward to seeing him back in the pitch yes well sure. said so uh, breaking news Pat has just told us that Peter Manny has been awarded a one year IRFU contract extension taking him to the end of the 2023-24 season so man to keep going eh, Jason to oh, deserve look you're only mm-hmm. saying it there like before the Six Nations he's aging like another guy who's aging like a fine wine he's playing some of his best rugby this year so I just think I, I think this 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 might not be his last contract. No, I think he could get another one. After he'll go he past the World Cup. If he keeps going the way he's going, what? it's like what age is Peter now? Is he thirty four? Thirty five? I'm not exactly he's sure. He's definitely mid thirties. Anyway. He's about thirty four. Like so, yeah. I still think this there's time. plenty of left in peace. And he's competitive. He'd want to be the oldest man in the Six Nations after Johnny. So <laughs> <laughs> watch this space. That's true. And he seems when, the when you look around, better. like the, the quality of backrows that we have in Leinster and Munster at the moment, and the fact that he's still there on that in that six jersey, and he's been he was ruled out. People said he was finished three or four years ago. I know. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he just keeps. He's coming back stronger and better every time. Yeah. It's like well, Lindsay says it a couple of times in the podcast that he just brings that leadership level yeah. that is just unmatched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. his line out ability, and when especially when he gets the green jersey on, he just comes alive, doesn't he? Yeah, and like having obviously been a lifter and a line out, it's it's so hard. You watch the line out callers, and it is a talent in itself to to not succumb to the pressure, and you're looking at gaps, and all the calls are going through your head, and he just seems to pick the right call all the time, and he's always calm. He's calm, but he's not calm. Do you know what I mean? He's like calm, but brings the fight to everyone else. And yeah. um, I think he's he's exceptional. I think it's the case of maybe, like you said there with Stuart Hogg, I think the pressure is off him now to be this born leader. He's just naturally can play his game because there's so many experienced and talented players around Pio Manny. And I think he thrives on the competitiveness of mm. a lot of things. But um, yeah, he seems to be thriving so long. May I continue? I think he's the last. Well, he comes from that kind of era of the Paul O'Connells and whatnot where he's a real like he's so proud to play for mm-hmm. Munster and so proud to play for Ireland like it means so much to him like he literally would die for Ireland he would die yeah. for Munster and you you saw like his emotion in that that New Zealand game over the summer like how much it meant to him for sure even the anthems at the French game yeah you know, as well you know, eyes closed himself and, and Johnny everything. were nearly crying ah, singing yeah. the anthem yeah against France that's good it. to see you yeah, need that beautiful yeah. yeah you need that like I mean you know that's that's that gives you that extra, I suppose, maybe one, two percent. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Of course it does. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm getting goosebumps here. I was yeah. like, come on, let's play. <laughs> it's just cool to know that guys at that level, at that many caps, 
and these like obviously it's a big Six Nations game mm-hmm. against France, but it's not like a World Cup final. No. Do you know what I mean? And these guys are getting emotional, ringing, singing the anthem. So playing for their country I'm at the like, end of the day, like you know what I mean? Like, and they know. They, I think the Irish team at the moment, I think they're all starting to realise that they're part of something special. Yeah, this is a very special Ireland squad. I think they know that now. Big time. You don't you don't beat France every day. Like yeah. I was lucky enough, twenty seventeen, we beat France, and it's like you've won the lottery because every time you're usually on the on the opposite end of yeah. a really good baiting, do you know what I mean? So, and I think regardless of what happens to the lads in the future, you always have to look at, not that each game is your last, but just savour it. You kind of change your mindset um, towards the end that you just have to enjoy your rugby. And I think they're just enjoying the rugby and trying to get as much of it as they can before maybe mm. the boots. Are. I think we're guilty as people, like just even as Irish people, or just people in general, we're guilty of no matter what it is, whether it's a life moment or a sporting moment, you look forward to these moments, but you don't appreciate them and don't mm-hmm. take a step back and go, oh my God, I'm here. Yeah. And you kind of need to do that sometimes. I think that's what they did. They kind of took a step back. It's like, hold on a second. I'm, this is probably like Johnny's what, second last game. That's why he got so emotional. I'm singing the last anthem. I'm playing France mm-hmm. in the Six Nations, playing for my country. I haven't played so many times. It's like, second last game in back. the Aviva for yeah. Ireland. What do you mean? For, no, for Johnny. Like, so Johnny's not going to play another game in the Aviva. He's got England and that's it. Because he's not going to play in their oh, Six yeah. Nations. So that's probably Johnny's second. The only game is probably going to be Johnny's last game in, in the Aviva for Ireland. Oh God, I just had a little moment. Think about it that, because yeah. he's after the, there'll be, unless we've got some warm-up Wait, games, warm, maybe. Warm, but like, that's not going to be proper competitive an actual game. competitive. His, yeah, la- yeah. his last Six Nations game in Dublin will be against England more than likely. Like. He's wrapping him in bubble wrap until then, so I'll make sure he plays. Jeez, Ireland's yeah. going to shut itself down if all goes to plan <laughs> oh, by that still, weekend. You know, I saw someone saying, Reese, I remember when we had O2 sponsoring us and they had that big, massive, blown up uh, Brian O'Driscoll balloon. Wonderful, Johnny, get one uh, off yeah. Waterford, will you? Hopefully. get your Johnny balloon ready. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that, came out, that came out wrong, didn't it? Yeah. Johnny balloon. Yeah, no, forget about that. Okay. That's a perfect time to wrap this podcast up. Great stuff, Jason. Well done. But always uh, be protected. For yeah, right? Always be protected. Always. Yeah. No, that was a good chat, guys. We got through a lot of stuff there. Um, well done. Now I think we have much. one thing to finish on. Andy What's Farrell, that? are you going to have we to do this? You have are we going to do it? Oh, you make your pitches, yeah. Yeah. I want you to give your best plea to Andy Farrell <laughs> as to who you want to see against Italy. Andy. <laughs> Faz, I know you're listening, fella. You're probably watching on YouTube as well. <laughs> so Italy are coming up this weekend and... To be honest, man, I know you found your probably your starting 15, but you need to mix it up a bit. What if they all, all aren't there in France in the World Cup and you need someone to step up and you haven't given them minutes? And I'm going to go home to Munster and I'm going to go over to Skipperine to Gavin Coombs. I think you really need to get him in there. He's scoring tries for fun. He's scoring more tries than backs. He's offloading. He's assisting. There's not much more he can do for you. I know you love the Leinster back rows. We all get it. They're good looking lads. <laughs> They, they sell it to the media very well, but you need a bit of Munster heart in there. So put Gavler in. You can play him in the back row, you can play him in the second row because Ty burns out. It's an easy choice. Make the right choice, Andy. Love you, bud. <laughs> Lindsay, you're up next. Hard act to follow. <laughs> just about to say it. <laughs> Let me just spatter my eyelids. <laughs> Andy Farrell, I'm not as good looking as Greg O'Shea, but I can offer so much more. We'll talk privately outside this. Anyway, um, my plea is this. Your beard is lovely. You've done exceptionally well since you've taken over the Irish team. You make very few mistakes, but you'd be making a mistake if you didn't put Ryan Bard in second row instead of Tyburn. He's athletic. He's a man monster. He's another option for you in the line out. He plays back row. He's he's an engine on him. He's good hands. He knows his game. He'll work hard. He'll do his job. But he's not Gavin Coombs. He mightn't be Gavin Coombs, <laughs> but he's a Leinster man and we know how much you love Leinster and how much they taste like Moe when they play. Anyway, <laughs> Go with Ryan Bard. You won't be mistaken. You won't. You won't regret it. 
Big Jason. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. The future of Irish rugby, the protege, Mr. Munster himself, Jack Crowley. Get him in there. Rog nearly took him off us. Now we have him. Keep him in there. Get him in at 10. Short and sweet. I love it. Andy, do what we're telling you to do, fella. <laughs> All right. We'll see you this week, this week when he announces the team and this weekend against Italy. But for now, guys, that's it. That's the pod all done for this week. Because some URC was very good, but we don't have it next week. We're back with the Six Nations that we've said. Um, so thanks very much, Lindsay, for your insight. Thank you. Have a great week. You too. And thanks very much, Jason. You too. Pat, of course, thank you. And uh, Bank of Ireland, our sponsors and proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. Thank you for always being there for us. And thank you at home for watching and listening. Catch you next time, guys. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.